Gospel of John for this identity series, and that we'll be doing so through a lens of queer theology. Today, to kick off our series, I'm going to do a couple of things. I'm going to share a little bit about queer theology and what it means for us when we say queering identity, which is the title of our sermon series. Then we're going to do that thing. We are going to jump right into my favorite gospel, I'm unashamedly going to say, with one of my favorite passages of scripture. Also, the first passage I ever preached on, John chapter 1. So, what is queer theology? What does it mean to queer our identity or to queer scripture? These are great questions, and I have answers for you. (laughs) A few weeks ago, I shared a couple of key pieces of theology, and I'll just repeat those today. Uh, Key pieces to queer theology. One, queering the text means to find the ways in which the text pushes against the status quo. What is accepted in many ways, to find the ways God is found either with the people on the outside or in the ways the characters behave in a way that would align with ideas that are on the outside of what is accepted. It's highlighting the ways in which the story of God is in reality already quite queer. Two, queering the text does not mean to use the Bible to prove that queer people belong in the kingdom of God. That question is answered already. There's no argument to be made. The kingdom of God includes everyone. There is an entire genre of literature that looks at scripture in a way to address the specific texts, often called clobber verses or texts of terror, that have been historically used to harm LGBTQ people. And according to Patrick Chang, a queer theologian, these texts go, queer theology goes beyond these texts to read the Bible in a creative and constructive way as a means of affirming LGBT experiences. I'm going to take this off. (laughs) But I found it this time. The places I find the little fuzzy guys. Later in the day. (laughs) Like feminist theology is a gift from women and women-identified people to others, Liberation theology is a gift from Latinx and black folks to others. And womanist theology is a gift from black women to the rest of us. Queer theology is a gift from queer theologians to our non-queer family. It is not just for LGBTQ plus people. It is for everyone. Just like liberation, feminist, and womanist theologies are for everyone. It is simply a recognition that those of us that are queer have and do experience and understand God in ways that non-queer people do not. And that by listening to those experiences and understandings, our greater family will better know God. Another element of queer theology that it is that of embodiment. Something exciting to think about as we look at the incarnation today. Queer theologian Lynn Tonstadt says, if theology told the cr- truth, it would speak of bodies. It's necessary for queer theology to consider bodies because it's our bodies as queer people that have become the taboo that shapes our experience in the world and in the church. Queer theology is transgressive. It sits on the outside, looks for ways to break down simple binaries, just like queer bodies have been doing all along. Queer theology shows us the ways of radical love in scripture and the world, just like queer bodies have been doing when they allow themselves to love the ones they are called to. 
genders, and sexualities that are not simple male, female, and heterosexual have been an invitation to be curious about the expansiveness of ourselves. And that invitation gives us glimpses of the divine when we discover the goodness that is in our bodies and the bodies of others. While this might seem like a new way of operating, journeying into unknown territory, I think that as the series continues throughout the winter and spring, we'll recognize the ways in which we have already dipped our toes into queer thinking. And I think that is lovely. As we wander the coming weeks, I invite y'all to consider in the same way that queering the Bible is not making the Bible queer, but discovering the ways in which it is already queer, that we may be doing the same things for ourselves and our own identities. To queer our own identity is not to make us, those of us that are not LGBTQ+, become queer, but to uncover the ways in which our identities may already be queer, in part because of our identity as followers of Christ. So let's do it. We're going to start in the Gospel of John chapter 1 today, and we're going to be reading from the First Nations version, an edition of the Second Testament that allows us to consider the perspectives and traditions of our indigenous siblings, a group that has been forgotten and oppressed by the church specifically in the greater world for a really, really long time. You're welcome to follow along with me or just listen. If I warned a couple of folks, but if you don't have a copy and want to grab one, if you don't have one permanently, you're welcome to sign your name on a paper like, and, and keep it. That's what they're there for. If you don't want to do that, you can just listen. <laughs> Long ago, in the time before all days, before the creation of all things, the one who is known as the Word was there face to face with the Great Spirit. This Word fully represents Creator and shows us who He is and what He is like. He has always been there from the beginning, for the Word and the Creator are one and the same. Through the Word, all things came into being, and not one thing exists that He did not create. Creator's life shined out from the Word, giving light to all human beings. This is the true light that comes to all the peoples of the world and shines on everyone. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it or put it out. Into the wilderness of the land of promise, which is Judea, came a man named Gift of Goodwill, John. He was sent by the Great Spirit to tell what he knew about the light so everyone could believe. He was not the light, but came to speak the truth about the light. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the darkness of the world. He came down into this world, and even though he made all things, the world did not recognize him. Even his own tribe did not welcome or honor him. But all who welcome and trust him receive their birthright as children of the Great Spirit. They are born in a new way, not from a human father's plans or desires, but born from above by the Great Spirit. Creator's word became a flesh and blood human being and pitched his sacred tent among us, living as one of us. We looked upon his great beauty and saw how honorable he was the kind of honor held only by this one son who fully represents his father, full of his great kindness and truth. Gift of goodwill told what he knew about him and cried out with a loud voice, the one I have told you about is here. He comes after me but is much greater. My elder, he has more honor for even though he is thought to be younger, he exists, existed before I was born. 
From the fullness of his being, we have all had many gifts of kindness poured out on us. Drawn from the water, who is Moses, gave us our tribal laws, but the gift of great kindness and truth came from creator sets free, Jesus, the chosen one. No one has ever seen the great spirit that the son who is himself the great spirit and closest to the father's heart has shown us what he is like. This is the word of the Lord. In this first chapter of the Gospel of John, we read about the Incarnation. This Gospel's telling of the birth of Jesus is my absolute favorite. It's poetic. It is a hymn, really, and I probably like it best because of those aesthetics. And I often joke that the author of John must have been an Enneagram 4, and since that's the Enneagram type I most wish I was, it probably makes sense there too. There are several aspects of this gospel that make it stand out from others, though, not just its poetic nature. The language that these scriptures are written in is different from the other gospels. The language of John is accessible in a way that the others aren't. It's written as a piece of art for the masses. Already, John's gospel thinks of who hasn't been included in the story of God, who should be included, everyone. It doesn't matter if they speak a special language or dialect or, know, or if they have been educated. They deserve to hear about the coming of Jesus. It's transgressive in its validation and affirmation of those who really aren't important, aren't in the center of history. Another unique piece of this gospel is the discussion of Jesus' birth as the Incarnation. This is the only gospel that discusses the Logos, or the Word. And this is where we're going to spend some time today. The gospel begins, Long ago, in the time before all days, before the creation of all things, the one who is known as the Word was there, face to face with the Great Spirit. The Word fully represents the Creator and shows us who He is and what He is like. He has always been there from the beginning, for the Word and the Creator are one and the same. Through the Word, all things came into being. Not one thing exists that he did not create. This is the only place that we see the birth of Jesus described in this way. This is the only place that we see the suggestion that Christ, the Word, Logos, existed before the birth of Jesus, present in the very beginning, with us the entire time. In the Incarnation, God reveals God's self to us in in this new way. God introduces us to Christ in the birth of Jesus. Patrick Chang argues that the revelation of God might be looked at as God's coming out to us. Just as a queer person reveals the fuller understanding of themselves to the ones that they love and trust and understand they can be whole with. God does the same thing here in the Incarnation. Coming out is an act of erasing a boundary between us and our beloved family. I love someone, and I recognize that not being my whole self with them is an act of withholding and therefore separation. And so I come out to them. I lean in. I enter into a more intimate relationship with them. It is an act of love for them, and while it is also and it is also an invitation to love me better it is exposing and terrifying fraught with the risk of rejection and abandonment it comes with fear and hesitation and yet it is necessary for love to exist 
Queer people know this feeling in our bones. Our bodies bear the scars from when coming out didn't go as we hoped. We have to ground ourselves when stress responses warn us to freeze or flee or flight. Please understand this gift from us and know how well you have to have loved us to receive it. In the act of coming out to you, we are inviting you to also know how beloved you are to us. It is your love that has invited our vulnerability. And so we reciprocate that love to you when we show, us, show you our fullest selves. This is really not acceptable in a lot of ways. Can't be clean or polished. It's messy. To love so deeply, to experience something so strong and beautiful, even erotic, as John Donne <laughs> would have described it, is not something that, can have, that we have allowed ourselves to even consider in polite society for a long time. It's humbling and raw and even inappropriate to enter into such intimate relationship with others. In the first sermon I preached, which, which I realized this week isn't horrifying to go back and read, but was horrifying to go back and listen to, <laughs> between the trembling ums and awkward pauses, I shared that the incarnation was an invitation, an invitation to be with God. I had only recently gone through my own coming out with this family and the rest of the world. Coming out was something that I didn't even understand at the time that I was doing it. Didn't have the words that I do now to describe. The words and feelings that I have now are because of that journey. And there are family members in our room today that were there the day that I preached that sermon and there the days before when I was coming out and is truly due to the depth of gratitude I have for y'all and love that I feel that I belong in this family with you, that I believe I can even begin to understand and grasp the weight of what that invitation from God might even mean. To be fully with others, my whole self. Coming out for me and for so many others shatters something. It breaks down the done-up illusion that may have been created for us, and we find out our family, our belonging, in those that stick around to help us pick up the pieces. We, the ones who came out, aren't the only ones that are transformed by this process, though. The entire family is. We are all different, transformed by very real and intense love that is shared. That love is truly special, life-altering, and even, for me and others, life-saving. So when God reveals God's self to us finally in the incarnation, when God comes out to us in those verses, I think queer folks know a little about what that feels like. It is risky, it is terrifying, it feels unsafe, but God loves us so much that God cannot continue to be in relationship with us without being God's fullest self. God breaks down whatever walls are left that divide us in the incarnation, the walls between the divine and the physical. God enters into humanity, pitches God's tent with us, dissolves any boundary between God's self and us. God is vulnerable, and we see and know them in a new and more intimate way. We see and know ourselves in a new and more intimate way because of God's incarnation the divine showing up in the exquisite ordinary. 
God is more whole in the incarnation, and the wholeness invites us to love them better. We are transformed by God loving us so dearly that they want to be their fullest self with us. And by choosing us, we are being invited into knowing our own worthiness to be in relationship with them. This is no small thing, even though it came in the small package of baby Jesus. Friends, may we begin to understand the power of this kind of love as we enter into 2023. May we begin to see the vastness of love that we are being invited into with the Incarnation. May we see the ways this invitation is replicated by God in ways big and small in each of the days to come. And may we be open to the ways that God reveals themselves to us, to be curious about them, to know those moments hold a love more ferocious and mysterious than any other. A love that reveals not only more of God, but also more of ourselves. May we seek it out. And on that journey, may we also uncover more ways to love God and others by revealing ourselves to them. Amen. Will you pray with me?